Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Behind the Money Night School. I'm Peter Spiegel. I'm the U.S. Managing Editor of the Financial Times. BTM Night School is a special series made in collaboration with Blinkist that will serve as a guide to the U.S. economy in 2023. For tonight's lesson... I think AI is different. It does disrupt people's jobs. I don't think it ever tends to replace jobs outright. What it does do is change the nature of those jobs. From the rise of ChatGPT to layoffs at companies like Meta and Amazon... Tech has dominated the headlines in 2023. Here to help us make sense of it all is the Financial Times Innovation Editor, John Thornhill. John, looking at the U.S. economy, 2023 has been a year where we've seen the economy slow, and that is nowhere more apparent than in big tech, where firms like Amazon and Google and Microsoft have all announced some of the biggest layoffs of any American companies. Why are they being hit so hard? I think several things are going on at the moment. And you're right. I mean, so far this year, the latest tally, I think about 100,000 jobs have gone from the big tech companies, which is a lot of jobs. Uh, several things, I think. One, last year, I think during the whole COVID pandemic, all of the big tech companies overinvested. They thought the future was going to arrive quicker than it in fact did. Uh, and everyone was going online. They were using Zoom. They were using Google Meet. Everyone was working remotely. So there was a big demand for tech products. Uh, and so I think part of the story is we're just coming off the peak. The NASDAQ index of kind of tech stocks is down 16% over the past year, although it's gone up 12% this year. Um, and I think that really it's just a recalibration. When you look at a lot of the hiring figures or the investment levels or the VC funding 2023 compared to 21, it's really still showing an upward tick. It's just that this blowout year of 2022 has now been brought back. So these names that we were just talking about that, that dominate in many ways our daily life, the Microsofts, the Googles, the Amazons, if we're coming up the peak, are these, these layoffs and, and, and the downturn sign that these companies are sort of losing their position in the U.S. economy, that they're going to be diminished in the U.S. economy going forward? Or is this a classic case of sort of retrenchment where they're basically just sort of cutting costs to maintain their leadership position going forward? I'm definitely in the retrenchment school. Um, if you look at the underlying trend lines on e-commerce or the shift to digital advertising or just the uptick of adoption of all these tech products, you're seeing the underlying trend is still moving very sharply northwards. You're seeing a whole load of new startups being formed uh, partly as a result of the kind of tech layoffs as well, that there are a lot of kind of surplus tech workers who are now thinking about what they're going to do. So there's been a big surge in kind of new business formation uh, we've seen since the COVID pandemic. And I think just generally, there's a whole secular trend towards increased use of technology. Five billion people in the world have a smartphone. Uh, increasing amount of commerce is going online, about 20% in the US now. And so I think the secular trend will eventually kind of outweigh the cyclical downturn. All right, so let's 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 talk about that because this this trend towards increased use. I think when we talk about technology in general, we tend to focus on these big companies because, as I said, they tend to dominate our lives. But as you pointed out, new companies being started, 
a secular trend towards more use of technology in our daily lives. So although these big tech groups in Silicon Valley play an important role, it's not the only way technology is impacting the U.S. economy. What are some of these trends that we should be watching, you know, to see what's going to influence our lives and what's going to influence the broader broader economy? Well, I think part of the story is that you're going to see a battle between the, the big incumbents, the, the Microsofts, the Googles, the Amazons, and so on that you've been talking about, and the insurgents, if I call them, the next generation of those companies that are emerging. Uh, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this battle plays out. On the one hand, it's been easier and cheaper to launch a company than ever before. Uh, you have um, everyone can, can operate in the cloud, which means that the cost has been reduced. Uh, the cost of software has plummeted and finance is more readily available than ever before. So I think we have seen this really interesting trend of new business formation post uh, the COVID pandemic and how these businesses grow and adopt the new technologies that are coming along. Are they going to shake the market grip that the big companies have? Or are we going to see a lot more disruption from below? Okay, so it, it, disruption by insurgents takes us very quickly to what I mentioned at the top, uh, ChatGPT. Now, OpenAI, which which is sort of the inventor or the developer of it, has gotten some backing from Microsoft, but it clearly has become a disruptor, as you say. And it's also convinced a lot of people that AI has finally arrived and it's become a, a have a real impact on the real economy. What's your view? I mean, is AI now ready for prime time? Will it play a role as a disruptor or should we not believe the hype? Well, these technologies have been developing over several years. I mean, Google really are the first people who came up with the transformer technology and GPT stands for generative pre-trained transformers. Hmm. So they were the people who first came up with the technology and then it's been spread and other people have adopted it. As you're saying, OpenAI, which is this fascinating kind of San Francisco-based research company, uh, has really kind of pioneered the use of uh, what are called large language models or the chat GPT that came out. And I think they've had a huge impact. So I think what the difference is, is that um, a lot of the big companies and Google and Microsoft in particular had been developing these generative models. But when we saw the launch of chat GPT in November last year, they really went mainstream. Millions of people started playing with them. About 100 million people started using them within two months of launch, which is an astonishingly rapid take-up of a new technology. And I think we all had that kind of wow moment where you prompt a question in chat GPT and you get this extraordinarily plausible, instantaneous text coming out of the machine. And I think it is an amazing thing. But I think people are only just beginning to work out how it's going to have an impact. Let me play the cynic or the skeptic here, because it was not so long ago that we had another quote-unquote disruptive technology in something called the blockchain. And the most vivid thing we saw about the use of blockchain was in cryptocurrencies. And yet, in the last few months, we've seen a complete collapse of the most prominent, arguably, uh, crypto exchange called FTX. And that has seemed to raise all sorts of new questions about cryptocurrencies in general, but also whether the blockchain is actually as disruptive as we maybe once thought. Take me through your thoughts on, on, on blockchain and why perhaps AI as a disruptive technology is more worth paying attention to or not versus the hype that was around the blockchain. Well, Gartner, the data company, came up with this quite useful model called the hype cycle, mm. which is rather <laughs> nice. Um, and so they plot where each technology is on this um, chart that they produce according to how much hype there is around a particular technology. So at the moment, AI is very close to the top of the peak of inflated expectations, as they call it. People are getting so excited about it. 
metaverse and blockchain have gone over the top of that peak and they're now in what the Gartner would call the slough of despond. Um, <laughs> and then after a, a few months after people have stopped talking about it, then you get the slow adoption. Um, and uh, that's really when I think a lot of these technologies go mainstream. So I think that um, you're seeing exactly that with blockchain. Uh, there was massive uh, overhyping of it. We saw the whole collapse of the FTX uh, crypto empire. People have almost shaken their heads and thrown up their hands in despair and thought this is never going to come to anything. But I think people will start thinking, what are the real uses of this? How can we adopt it? And I think we might begin to see some really interesting uses over the next five, 10 years. And when you say find ways to use it, do you mean cryptocurrencies specifically or more broadly the blockchain technologies and how something that is you know, uh, visible and transparent to the world and, and cannot be hacked at is something that other industries could use potentially. I think it's the underlying blockchain technology that uh, people are beginning to think, is this a different way of kind of handling data and making transfers uh, in a way that is more decentralized, uh, is not controlled by one central authority and so on. So I think a lot of the models that we've seen emerge so far have failed, but there is still, I think, possibilities that they could get adopted in the future. Let's go back to, to AI and, and, and to a certain extent to chat GPT, but, but AI more generally. Because if you combine AI with robotics, you have a debate about whether basically increased automation and machine learning through, through robotics is good or bad for the U.S. economy. So on the upside, there's the obvious economic argument that automation increases productivity, and productivity is key to any country increasing its collective wealth. So therefore, on paper at least, this is a good thing for the for the U.S. economy. But many of us have seen that there are automation, frankly, takes jobs away from a lot of blue-collar Americans, which means there may be even fewer well-paying jobs for the average American. So in your view, because uh, you are a columnist, is automation and robotics, you know, a, a plus or a minus for the U.S. economy? I would say it's definitely a plus. Um, I think this debate has been going on for several centuries, mm. in fact, ever since the Industrial Revolution, uh, that it's very easy to see which jobs are destroyed by new technologies and very hard to predict which jobs are going to be created. Uh, I think AI is different. Uh, it's an incredibly powerful, what's called a general purpose technology that um, uh, infuses the whole economy at large. I think it will have an incredible impact on productivity in a whole load of different areas. And one of the ones I'm most interested in is healthcare at the moment. Um, but as you say, it does disrupt people's jobs. So I don't think it ever tends to replace jobs outright. What it does do is change the nature of those jobs. In healthcare, for example, a lot of speculation out there that it will change the role of a doctor a lot more than it will change the role of a nurse, for example. In the past, when uh, manufacturing was automated, it definitely hit the blue-collar jobs. It was the kind of automation of muscle. What AI is doing is automating the brain. And so I think that's going to affect a lot more white-collar jobs uh, going forward. Hopefully not journalists. Uh, well, uh, maybe some journalists, <laughs> uh, but not columnists, I think. Before I let you go, I want to change topics slightly from sort of the hard science and the disruptive nature of technology to sort of the policy side of things. Because one of the biggest stories in technology, I, I would argue, is that it's become in many ways the, the big battleground in geopolitical conflict, particularly between China and the U.S. So almost on every sector in technology, microprocessors, quantum computing, uh, renewables, green technologies, 5G, you have the U.S. and China at loggerheads, sanctions, bans, all these kinds of things. Just to throw this out there, who do you think is, is winning the global tech war? Because there is a lot of nervousness in Washington that China has taken a quantum leap ahead of ahead of the West on many of these technologies. Is that paranoia? Is that is that 
actually happening? What, what would be your, your view in terms of where China and the U.S. stand right now in advanced technologies? If I can put it in a slightly different way, I think both sides are winning, mm. which means also both sides are losing. In some areas like 5G telecoms infrastructure that you were talking about, no doubt China has won that war. I think in the open areas that are still now very competitive, uh, in particular, 3 I would pick out. One is chips uh, that you mentioned. At the moment, 90% of the world's leading uh, chips are manufactured in Taiwan, which a lot of people in Washington worry is a, an incredible kind of geostrategic hotspot. What happens if Taiwan came off market? That's obviously an enormous kind of strategic challenge for America, which is, explains why there's been this massive investment in kind of chip uh, production in the US. AI, I think, is one of the other areas. And when you look at the papers that are now coming up, China has um, put an enormous effort into increasing its capability in that area. I think for the moment, as far as anyone can tell, America still has the significant edge in terms of research. But I think China has probably got the edge in terms of the application of a lot of these AI models, certainly kind of e-commerce and the online uh, world and digital payments and so on. So I, I think that's an even contest in a way. And then I think the real joker is quantum. And we've been mm -hmm. spending quite a lot of time at the FT uh, trying to investigate quantum computing. In truth, nobody knows uh, who is uh, ahead in this field. The idea is that if one side or the other did develop a fully functioning quantum computer, uh, they would be able to crack open uh, the other side's encryption methods, the so-called Q-Day, um, which would have an enormous strategic impact um, if one of those two sides got ahead of the other. But the truth is that we have no idea really who is where at the cutting edge of this technology. Uh, so that's definitely an open race. Okay, John, I'm going to ask you, if our listeners were to sort of walk away and say, here are the three things I need to take away from, from John Thornhill's discussion, what, what are the three most important things do you think right now? Well, first, I think the macro trend towards tech is still very strong. Uh, we had this blip in 22. Uh, we've had the retrenchment in 23. But I think we're still going to see a very strong uptake of technology, particularly kind of e-commerce, a whole load of software services and in generative AI. Number two would be the impact of generative AI. I think people are still trying to figure this out. Huge numbers of startups being created and getting funded right now uh, who are trying to work out how they can apply AI. 90% uh, of these startups are going to go bust, but the 10% of them are going to transform the workplace, I believe. And I think in many areas, they're going to augment human creativity. They're going to threaten uh, a number of uh, jobs, uh, particularly kind of white-collar jobs. They're going to change the nature of work but I think they will also augment uh, human creativity and lead to a lot of increased productivity. And the third one is really how this all fits into the context of the US-China tech war. Uh, I think people have kind of pulled back from calling it a, the new Cold War, but there's certainly very heightened uh, rivalry between the two powers, most particularly in chips where America is kind of really squeezing China um, and China is putting huge effort into trying to develop state-of-the-art uh, computer chips, but we're also seeing it in the areas of kind of AI, quantum computing, and also synthetic biology. Okay, I'm going to be very unfair and push even further. If, if there's one thing that our listeners should take away about technology in the U.S. economy, what do you think that one thing is? It's all about the humans. Uh, rather perversely, I would argue that technology is a subject that everyone gets obsessed by, and they look at the kind of capabilities of the technology and what it could do. But technology is only useful when it's applied, uh, and that's all about how people use it. 
And so I think humans very much are in the driving seat still. We're trying to figure out how we use this technology. We can use it for wonderful productive ends. We can also use it for very harmful purposes as well. Don't forget the humans. Thanks again for listening. I'm Peter Spiegel. You can find more of John's reporting on FT.com. This episode was done in collaboration with Blinkist. If you want to find out more about conversations and topics like this, check out the Blinkist app. This episode was produced by Zach St. Louis. Topher Forez is our executive producer. Sound designed by Breen Turner and Sam Giovinco. Cheryl Brumley is our global head of audio. Thanks for listening. Class dismissed. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.